Welcome to Doc Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. On today's show, we will recap the wins over Tulsa and Emporia State. We'll also get you ready for Tuesday's road matchup at South Florida. Great show coming up right after this. Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Wichita State Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. Taylor, we said on last week's show, if this team was going to come out and and beat expectations after being picked seventh in the preseason poll, they were going to need to win a game like they did last Tuesday at Tulsa. 69-65 victory for the Shockers. They were up as much as 17 in the first half. They never trailed at all. It got a little close there at the end. Tulsa pulled within two in the final minutes, but they are able to get that four-point win. And I... You know, after all that they've been through so far this year, I think it was the perfect way to start off conference play. Yeah, for them, yeah, that's uh, that's a great way uh, to finally get off to a good start too. I mean, they had gotten down big early against Oklahoma State, and um, and it's its first two you know big time matchups at home. So to finally get off to a good start on the road, uh, like you said, I mean, they they nearly you know let it slip away there that second half. But you know, when you're playing in front, you have that 17 point lead. You know the the margin for error is pretty big, so uh, yeah, that was uh, a great way for WSU to start start the year. And you know, anytime you can get a road win, that kind of like Altree Gilbert said, you know, after the game, it feels like those ones count for two. So uh, especially against you know the defending conference champions, uh, Tulsa, you know, had that three way tie for the, the the conference title last year. So that's that's a big time open for WSU. And yeah, now they're in a great position where you look forward to this week if they can uh, get uh, sneak another win. On the road, then all of a sudden you're playing, you know, playing ahead with uh, with two wins on the road. So great start for WSU, and uh, they'll, they'll try to get one, another one on Tuesday. The big story from really these past two games, in my opinion, was the play of Ricky Council, the fourth in both games. He has 13 points and eight rebounds. What do you like about his game? And and uh, certainly, I, I think you have to be happy that he's you know playing above what expectations might have been. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think actually Wichita State. I mean, they they felt like he could do stuff like this. Maybe it's a little surprising that he's doing it this early, but I mean, I can tell you that. I mean, uh, coming into this season, they felt like he was you know the most ready of all the, the three freshmen. They felt like he could contribute uh, you know this season and help them win. Uh, it is a little surprising, you know, he's he's playing this well. Um, this early so um, yeah they, he's just you know so smooth and just uh, he's able to get to the basket and uh, you know a lot of people uh, you know that's kind of the criticism for Dexter Dennis is you know he's so athletic on the wing but you know he kind of struggles getting to the rim and finishing on the rim well you know Ricky Council I mean already as a freshman has kind of shown that ability and I think that uh, it deserves to be you know a lot of teams are not playing their best defenders on Ricky Council you know Dexter's having to go up against a lot of the other team's best defenders because they, they are trying to take him out because they know you know he's a, a known quantity. So uh, I think uh, w- with Ricky, I mean, not a lot of people know about him, not a lot of film on him, so he's able to kind of take advantage of, of these uh, matchups right now. But, you know, that's that's going to stop happening, you know, pretty quick. I mean, he, he playing as well as he is right now. And, uh, yeah, his rebounding is insane. You know, he's if you look on Kempom, defensive rebounding rate, 33%. That's just, you know, if it was, if he had played the, you know, uh, enough minutes, that would be top 10 in the country 
Uh, you know, the highest, just for reference, you know, I, th- I was looking at earlier today, the highest one in the Greg Marshall era, I think was Stutz at, I think it was 27, 28%. So Ricky Council at 33% defensive rebounding. That just shows you uh, how well he is rebounding the basketball right now. And, and he, he's got a high mark on the offensive end too. So uh, he's, that's somewhere where he's already helping WSU besides, you know, scoring the points. And uh, yeah, he's just off to a really good start. And it's pretty exciting to see, you know, if you're the Shockers. When you look at this rivalry with Tulsa, and I have to ask, can we really call it a rivalry here recently? The Shockers have had a ton of success. They've won six out of the seven matchups in American Conference play. They've won 14 out of 16, dating back to 2003. You had the buzzer beater last year on the road at Tulsa, but, uh, you know, once again, got off to that fantastic start. Also started to rebound the ball better. They were plus five in rebounds against Tulsa. They were plus 16 against, you know, a little bit of an unmatched uh, Emporia State. And you wrote in your article on Kansas.com today how important it will be for them to rebound the basketball against South Florida. Yeah, I mean, under Greg Marshall, that was, that was you know, one of their calling cards was, you know, uh, he, he was such a good teacher of of rebounding and, you know, doing it properly, boxing out, you know, all the fundamentals. He just, you know, st- uh, just listening to the coaches talk over the years and uh, it's more about just the mentality just you know harping on it every day in practice that's how you get a good rebounding team and uh, you know obviously it helps if you have the athletes and the big guys to make it happen but I mean I think it was a credit to to Marshall and just how much he how much time he spent making sure that they you know worked on the little details in practice and you know they were top 40 nationally in defensive rebounding all but one of uh, one of his 13 seasons and uh, you know, they were just always a great rebounding team, and that, that just gives them an advantage when you can board out that consistently. You know, you limit second-chance points. Uh, you feel like if you play good defense and the other team misses a shot, you know, it's just demoralizing if you're basically one and done every time. But, you know, that's been a huge problem for WSU. You know, these first five games, uh, you know, you look at it, they're, they're ranked 286th in the country in defensive rebounding right now. Uh, so it just hasn't been – it has improved, like you said, against Tulsa. And then obviously, you know, Emporia State, you know, you're going to uh, do that against an overmatched opponent. But they were, you know, trending in the right direction. And Tulsa still gave up a few many, few too many, you know, offensive rebounds, uh, you know, compared to that high standard that they were at. But uh, it got going in the right direction. It's going to be put up uh, to a huge test tomorrow night at South Florida. They have a huge front line, uh, top 30 offensive rebounding team. So they're really going to put the pressure – on WSU and kind of like what I wrote in the story you know it starts with the big guys you know the uh, the centers and the power forwards you know right now their rebounding rates are just you know uh, pretty much you know pathetic that's the only way you can describe it you know um, like I said I mean you want a center you know right around 20% defensive rebounding when they're on the floor uh, let's take a look at where they are, Morris Udeze is at 9.8%. Isaiah Porbert Chandler's at 5.8%. So that's more like point guards. Um, they need to be, you know, really ratcheting it up. And like I said in the story, I mean, it's not, WSU's system is not designed where, you know, the centers are going to, you know, grab all of the defensive rebounds. Their job is to, you know, box out, keep the guys, you know, off the glass. And then that lets the guards swoop in, like Ricky Council swoop in and, and get the defensive rebounds, but still, you know, the centers have to grab more than, you know, two or three rebounds per game. So that, that starts with Morris Udeze and Isaiah Porbert Chandler 
And then uh, Josephette Bilal, who missed the game on Friday, uh, IB told me he'll be he'll be back. That was just a precautionary thing. So uh, he'll be back for Tuesday's game. So that three-headed monster is going to have to do a much better job on Tuesday and going forward just uh, to get WSU back to you know where they're used to being you know, a, a great defensive rebounding team. They were plus 16 overall in rebounding against Emporia State. They had 25 offensive rebounds. And you talk about the big guys. Mo Udeze goes 7 for 7, 18 points. What have you seen out of his game, particularly at the charity stripe this year? Yeah, he's he's really put in a lot of time and effort in improving that stroke. And, uh, you know, I wrote a story on him, too. You know, you look at him the first two years at Wichita State. Uh, it was shooting, a, you know, under 50% both seasons. And, you know, whenever he got fouled and went to the foul line, it was just like, oh, man, that's, you know, that's almost a, a wasted possession. Or, you know, it would be lucky if he gets one of the two free throws. So um, that's not the case this season. I mean, you're, you're seeing his hard work pay through and, I mean, I, I pay off. And, you know, obviously it's super early. Uh, it's too much. I mean, it's too early to, you know, draw any big conclusions. But it's a very promising start to see. Uh, Mo go eight for ten to start the season from the foul line. I think it's actually better than that. I was just looking on Ken Palm, but that doesn't include a D two. So he is shooting eighty percent uh, from the foul line. You know, through these first five games, you know, not getting there a ton, but still, you know, he's uh, he's doing well from the stripe. It no longer feels like you know it's a it's going to be lucky to uh, for him to make one when he steps to the line. Um, looked at the film. He kind of changed his shooting, uh, shooting technique a little. He's releasing it higher. Um, it looked like he was kind of, uh, you know, pushing it out in front of him those first two years, and now he's got a nice high release kind of over his head, and it just seems like he's, you know, way more comfortable there. And uh, that that's going to be huge for you know WSU uh, down the stretch because you know they can they feel like they can play him on the floor of these tight games, whereas you know last year. And obviously his freshman year uh, probably can't play him in crunch time just because, you know, if he gets fouled, you know, like I said, it'd be lucky if he makes one one of the, the two shots. So I think with improved foul shooting, that's just going to lead to, you know, improvement in all the rest of his game. But, you know, he's just got to get better at finishing inside. Obviously, he you know, he did well against uh, D2 competition against Emporia State. But, you know, that's going to change in the American. Uh, didn't play much of a factor in that Tulsa game was in foul trouble pretty much the whole game. So he's going to have to get it going. He's going to be going up against a seven-footer, though, in South Florida. So uh, he's going to have to show, uh, you know, uh, pick his spots and, and not just, you know, go up and just try to bully him in and, and try to shoot over a seven-footer. So he's going to have to, you know, pick his spots well and, and make sure he's taking good shots inside. We saw basically the whole roster in the game against Emporia State. You had the debut of Seymour and Jenkins. As we move forward now into you know the the thick of conference play, what do you think Coach Brown will do with this rotation? We really still, I know we're five games in, but still, you know, you had uh, uh, different point guards start the other night, so there's still kind of feeling some things out. But where do you where do you see things headed there? Yeah, I think you can expect uh, the same starting five for a lot of this a lot of the season. I think you're going to see Altariq, uh, Tyson, Dexter, Trey Wade, and Mo. I think that's going to be, um, you know, the starting lineup more more often than not. Then off the bench, you know, obviously you're going to have uh, Pooh Bear and uh, Joseph Bull out the the five spot rotating. 
Uh, Ricky Council is obviously, you know, he's making a, a strong case for more playing time. Clarence Jackson's, a, you know, a nice spark plug off the bench. So, you know, that's a, that's a pretty solid nine right there. I think uh, Trevin Wade's going to, you know, mix in uh, whenever uh, WSU needs him. But, you know, Altry Gilbert, that's a guy that's going to be playing, you know, 30-plus minutes. Uh, they, just good things happen when he has the ball in his hands. And then, you know, obviously uh, Tyson Etienne, he can play a little point. Uh, so Trevin, it's going to be, you know, one of those things where it's just going to be game to game basis on him. I don't know if he's going to play more than, you know, probably like 12 minutes per game, my guess would be, um, you know, over the course of the season. So, uh, and then, you know, Craig Porter, I didn't even mention him. I forgot. And he's going to be a, a, a huge, huge player for this year's team. So I think you're going to have a, a pretty solid 10 man rotation with a little Trevin sprinkled in. And then the other two freshmen, I don't think you're going to see much of them in these close games. Uh, you know, it was just tough, you know, without a, you know, the regular uh, non-conference player where you have a lot of those bye games and, you know, you're up big and you can get those guys playing time. And, I mean, that's just that's just tough to find uh, minutes for, you know, Chauncey Jenkins and, and uh, Jane Seymour this year. So I think it, it it's going to be a case-by-case battle for them. But, uh, yeah, I think you're going to see a pretty strong, you know, 10-man rotation. WSU, they really like their depth. You know, uh, Clarence Jackson's looked really good. Craig Porter, you know, showed uh, a lot of good signs. And, uh, obviously, Rick, Ricky Cancel is just, you know, playing lights out right now. And then you got the two centers down making that, that three-man rotation. So uh, they really like their depth. And uh, I think it's going to be one of those uh, teams, again, that's going to rely on, you know, a lot of, a lot of substitutions and, and relying on that depth. And, um, yeah, they think it's uh, going forward. I, I would project that that's probably the, the, the starting or the, the 10 that are going to be seeing the most minutes for sure. We talked on last week's show that if they want to, you know, exceed those preseason expectations, they'd need to win a game like at Tulsa. This next game on Tuesday at USF would be a similar example. USF was picked fifth in the preseason poll. They're Ken Palm 100. Wichita State is Ken Palm 98 right now. Game tips at 6 p.m. on ESPN Plus. USF comes in at five and two and one and zero in conference play. They had an exciting uh, 74-71 win over Cincy this past week. I think that was a little bit of a surprise to to folks around the league. They have losses to Rhode Island and Virginia Tech. When you look at the Bulls, what do you see? Yeah, like I said earlier, I mean, they're a really good offensive rebounding team, and that starts with their front line. Uh, like I said, the seven-footer, Michael Durr, uh, he's been there for three years now. He's been a, a pretty consistent, you know, center for them. And then the return of Alexis Yetna, he was, the, you know, the rookie of the year in the in the conference two years ago, got hurt last year, missed all of, all of last season. And uh, now he's back, uh, 6'8", 235, uh, you know, really nice player from France. He was, you know, probably their best player two years ago as a freshman. So uh, for to get him back and then you add it to a nice core, you know, David Collins, you know, that's a, another familiar name for WSU fans. And, you know, these last three years, uh, he, he's been, you know, just a, a really consistent playmaker for them. Uh, Justin Brown's been in that starting lineup for the last two two years, too. So uh, then they've added, you know, a, a highly touted freshman, you know, a four-star kid in Caleb Murphy, who's uh, showed some uh, some nice uh, offensive, you know, pop uh, so far this year. And he doesn't have to do too much just because he's walking into a, you know, a starting lineup that has, uh, you know, experienced guys, uh, four other guys that have started for multiple years. So. Uh, but really, you know, for WSU, the game is going to come down to how it defends uh, Yetna and Michael Durr. If they can keep them off the glass, uh, you know, limit second chance points, 
Uh, so really, this is a big game for you know Mo Udeze, Isaiah Porbear Chandler, Joseph Atbalau. It's going to come down to those guys. And then, you know, WSU has been able to get off to this, you know, start without basically uh, anything from, uh, you know, Trey Wade. You know, his senior year just has not gotten off to the start that he wants. I, I, can, I know he's, you know, super frustrated. I mean, he spent so much time working on his shot, and that has just not translated so far. Uh, this season, uh, I mean, he's just not shooting the ball very well. Uh, you know, 12% from the three-point line. Um, so that's uh, in WSU. They he st- they still want him shooting those wide-open shots uh, in rhythm when he's open. Uh, they know he's a good shooter. It's just one of those things where he's just off to a slow start. So uh, maybe this is the game that that you know gets it kicked off. Uh, he can uh, he's going to be matched up, you know, against Yetna more more than likely. I would suspect that Dexter Dennis. Probably takes David Collins, and uh, you know, given Dexter's defense, I mean, you can probably count on him at least in limiting Collins. So, like I said, uh, it's really going to come down to WSU's ability to rebound. Uh, it seems like every game they play against USF is just you know ugly and you know just a grinded out in the 50s something like that kind of game. So I don't think they're going to go down there and just you know shoot the lights out. Um, so this is going to be one of those where every possession counts. Uh, limiting second chances is going to be huge, and uh, I think it's going to come up. Um, you know, the game is going to be decided by how well WSU's uh, big men play this one. The Bulls are plus seven currently in rebounding margin. They shoot at 45% from the field, 35% from three. You talk about these ugly kind of. 55 to 52 type games that they've had here's where the game might be able to be won usf is only shooting 59 percent from the free throw line so if you have a, a game where there's a lot of fouls it might come down to which team not only uh you know rebounds as we've talked about but also is able to put down those free ones yeah and it's uh, i mean a lot of that just comes down to who who is at the free throw line and i mentioned caleb murphy i mean that's a four-star kid uh, and he's really struggled so far. I mean, shooting 60% from the line. Uh, so, yeah, it's just, it just depends on who you're fouling. Uh, obviously, David Collins, uh, I think he's like he leads the American in uh, his whole career for career free throws or something like that. I'll have to look that up. But um, he's only shooting 57% from the line. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, one of those things where uh, WSU is obviously going to try to keep them off the line and not foul. But, you know, if you do foul, uh, like you said, I mean, the, the USF is struggling, you know, putting away those freebies, and it's just going to come down to how WSU rebounds off those misses. There's currently four teams in the conference at 1-0, four teams in the conference at 0-1, and three teams that have not played just yet. So, you know, not that this game is a make-or-break for the conference season, but it'd be really great for Wichita State to be able to get off to a 2-0 start with two quality uh, road wins over teams that are kind of picked right in that same pack that they were in the AAC preseason poll. Uh, Their next game isn't until next Wednesday against ECU. That's their home opener on December 30th. So we had also targeted this time of year when you got you know a week or so in between games to really you know hopefully bring this team together without having the non-con and different uh, opportunities to prepare before the season yeah I mean that would be pretty spectacular if you're WSU you know with all things considered just how the season started out uh, you know missing those first three games having a shorthanded team and 
uh, you know, uh, I mean, kind of, you know, it wasn't a great performance against Missouri, and to to think that this team could be two and zero in first place in the conference, uh, you know, if they can just win at USF, I think anybody would have taken that, you know, a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, they're they've set themselves up for, you know, a pretty good uh, swing here where. Uh, you know, I feel like if they just getting one of these wins to start the the conference play was crucial. You know, you never want to start out 0-2, so just avoiding an 0-2 start was huge. And I think, uh, you know, playing with house money a little bit where I feel like, uh, you know, a one and one start, I mean, you can deal with uh, just being able to seal one of these on the road. And then obviously if they go 2-0, and uh, then you can start to think, okay, maybe we, maybe we can make a push for you know the upper third of this conference. So um, a home game against East Carolina, you know that's a, a bottom tier team. Obviously, they have a great player in Jalen Gardner, but you know I think WSU has overall the the talent advantage in that game. So you start looking down the road, and that you, it sets up for a pretty nice start. Uh, so that that makes uh, Tuesday's game. Uh, that much more important if they can steal this one on the road then you're you're looking at a pretty nice start to the season because after that I mean it gets pretty tough you know at Houston Cincinnati at home and then uh, the rematch with Tulsa at SMU at Memphis so that's a pretty tough stretch right there so you want to steal as many of these wins early in the season as possible I think they have something like four games on the road in, in a series of six games or something like that this the early conference schedule is just about survival it absolutely is. You know, we, we mentioned there's 11 teams currently in the American. There was an article that came out today that the AAC was potentially in talks with Boise State. We might, you know, see several of these types of articles that come out. But just your first kind of reaction to uh, what Boise State would, you know, maybe bring as a, a potential 12th member of the conference. Yeah, I mean, that, that would uh, obviously give them uh, a 12, like you said. And uh, I mean, obviously, the all these decisions that are getting made, I mean, that it comes from football first and what they can add, you know, for uh, for the conference from a football perspective. From the basketball perspective, you know, Boise State's been pretty solid, you know, in recent history under Leon Rice and, uh, you know, a lot of 20-win seasons that he's uh, been able to string together. So they would be solid. I think they would be a good fit for the American. Uh, you know, they would, you know, probably be, you know, honestly, probably middle, probably middle of the pack and, and just be another another program, another strong program to, I mean, I think the middle of the American this year is going to be really, really good. So um, they would uh, be able to add to that. And uh, I mean, I don't know if they're going to be competing for championships. I mean, I think uh, Houston and uh, they've kind of set themselves apart. And then, you know, obviously Cincinnati, uh, Wichita State programs like that are, are traditionally strong too. So um, I, I think they would be a solid addition uh, from, I mean, they, they fit ge- geography, geographically, and um, yeah, I think it would just, it would make sense on a lot of fronts, and obviously they're a pretty great uh, football program too, so I think it, it makes sense, but uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the American does, you know, finalize uh, a 12th member at some time. I don't know if it'll be Boise State, but I, I think they will look to definitely add a 12th here pretty soon. Buy or sell time, producer Brian. All right, so we talked earlier about Morris's improvement from the foul line, a little bit of mechanics, a little improvement there. So I'm going to give you a number. Buy or sell, Moe stays above 73% for the season. Ooh, that's a good line. I know it I is. Will, uh, I will sell that. I think he he finishes low 70s, um, 70, 71. That's my... Uh, 
that's kind of the feel that I got. But he's off to a great start, so. Yeah, I mean, hopefully the the thing is being consistent throughout the entire season. I'm going to sell that as well, though, because I think they'll be in a lot of close games, and so you'll have a lot of teams that might want to put Mo at the line, and, and just by the sheer more opportunities, I think that drives that percentage down a little bit. From But a great start to the season. Yeah. With Alterique Gilbert being such a wizard with the ball, you know, we talked about last time the late-game execution on the final play against Oklahoma State. Just the timing wasn't there. You ended up with Dennis having to take a tough contested shot at the end of the game. So buy or sell, with this team, you put the ball in Alterique Gilbert's hand either on an ISO or with some sort of a screening action and let him try to create something. I'll buy that. Um, I think uh, he creates his shot better than any player on the Shockers right now, and that is, you know, obviously do some to experience, but uh, I think you just clear it out and let him go to work. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I don't even think you need a screen. Uh, you know, that, that presents the opportunity of, you know, them doubling him and getting the ball out of his hands. So I think you just, uh, you know, spread the floor and just give him the ball up top and let him go to work. All right. WSU has had a lot of changes in the roster this year. We've gotten a look more at Monzi Jackson. We've gotten a look at Ricky Council. Do you feel like, by or sell, that this Wichita State team has upgraded its athleticism on the whole and just the ability of these wings to go you know, jump up and get rebounds and, and really switch across multiple positions on the defensive end? Yeah, I'll buy that. I think, uh, And I think at Craig Porter, I think he is going to be someone that uh, really impresses fans too. I mean, people need to remember this guy's a, you know, he missed like six weeks of uh, practice. He's still coming back from, you know, uh, just being in quarantine and not being able to, you know, practice every day. So uh, talking to coaches uh, that have, have coached him and have seen him play for years, this guy, you know, is a, a sneaky athlete and he's still getting his legs back. So I think he's going to be another one. And then obviously off the bench, you know, Ricky Council has made it very obvious he's a freak athlete. Uh, Clarence Jackson just got an unreal motor. So I think having guys like that to come off the bench, uh, just uh, unreal energy. And I think, you know, Trevin, Trevin Wade, you know, if, if people have, uh, get there early, if you're one of the, the select few that have been able to come to games and watch him in the dunk line, it's it's pretty impressive. So um, he's he's another great athlete. I think the, I think the, the overall athleticism, uh, is definitely upgraded, and you look at a guy like Joseph Abelaud too. Another guy who's getting his legs back under him. Um, I think if he was fully healthy, uh, he would be another one that would uh, would be a, a superior athlete, you know, for WSU. So I, I definitely think that's the case this this season for sure. I'll buy that as well. I think you know this is finally what a, an AAC roster looks like. Maybe that wasn't the case when they first joined the conference, but I, I feel like every team in the AAC has these long, athletic, you know, stretch four type players. Uh, certainly, if I were to get this team a Christmas gift, it would have been that Echenique played one more year. I think they they really could have used him at the five spot, and and then you know the ceiling really goes up from there. But uh, I, I'll absolutely buy that the athleticism across the board is is probably. Uh, enhanced yeah i think early on in the first couple of years wichita state you know watching who they're playing just the athleticism of teams like houston and cincinnati is what really jumped except you always uh, seems to SMU, have guys like yeah, that absolutely usf i mean it's yeah. just uh, all across the board and it, and it just seems like there's a body that you know fits the american conference yeah yeah i agree all right and finally 
You know, we talked about Ricky Council, his emergence over the last two games really seems to have a lot of confidence. He's got a lot of tools in the bag as far as getting to the rim, different shots he can get off floaters. He can shoot from the perimeter with him not necessarily being that primary option, but somebody who's having a lot of success, he's going to get lesser defenders by or sell. Does Ricky finish 10 plus points per game this season? Well, he certainly had a good week, uh, you know, 13 points and eight rebounds in both of those games, but I'm going to sell that. Uh, historically, the Shockers haven't had a ton of guys average double digits in scoring just because of how much they, you know, share the basketball or kind of, you know, we saw Mo have a good game against Emporia State. We've seen other, you know, Tyson uh, ha- have good games throughout the year. So I-, I think he's hovering maybe somewhere right in that eight to nine points per game, but 10, I- I'm not sure he'll get there. there. And there's a freshman slump sometimes, too, as you get like really into the the throws of of conference play yeah i mean I'll, I'll agree too i mean 10 is a lot i mean i think 10 would be like the third leading scorer probably on this team i think tyson and alter are definitely going to average you know 12 plus um so 10 would probably be the third i, I don't think that anyone's going to get there you know maybe dexter you know um still early in the season too so you know they they were hoping you know dexter trey wade someone like that and then obviously mo is you know, off to a pretty good scoring start, too. So I think one of those three will um, uh, start to pick up their production. And and Ricky, I mean, I think if he can average, you know, six, seven, eight points, that's going to be a real help for this team. And, uh, I mean, that's going to be a pretty consistent performer off the bench. So I think you're going to see games from him where, you know, he, he does, you know, come off the bench and score 15, 16, something like that. But there's going to be more games where you know he's you know four six points something to and and for a freshman that's that's really good. So uh, like Dustin said, you know the consistency is going to be uh, a tough ask for him to get to ten points per game. Uh, but this is a team where I don't think they're going to be you know scoring a ton of points where they're going to have three and triple di- or three and double digits. So I think you're going to see Tyson Alterik uh, definitely above that mark, and then uh, they're going to be lucky if they get a third one there. I think Mo, Dexter, Trey are all going to hover around that that same range. Ricky probably too. All right, I was kind of curious. We talked a little bit about the freshmen getting some minutes against Emporia State. I believe the red shirt rules are different now. Than they were where you know you play a game and then that's counting as a year of your eligibility now i think they can play a certain number of games do you guys know what that is oh this year it's basically a free year for everyone well, that's true yeah so, so it's you so would you be trying to use the games against the bottom tier teams as a way to, to reward some of those freshmen give them minutes give them experience this year knowing you might need them next year yeah i mean obviously i i think uh I think next year you could see a situation where, because this is a free year, I think in a normal year, I think Chauncey and Jaden are both redshirting. So I think you could see a, a thing next year where this is basically a free season. Whatever they get out of this is just a bonus. Uh, and then next year they might be asked to redshirt, um, just depending on how the roster looks. You know, obviously, uh, WSU, they have a lot to settle, uh, you know, in the offseason. You know, who's going to be their coach moving forward? And then that's, you know, that's just going to, you know, set off the domino effect. And uh, we'll see who comes back. You know, obviously, Altariq Gilbert. uh, I mean, everybody has a chance to come back next year. Even Altariq, even Trey Wade, uh, even, you know, the walk-ons, the the seniors. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what those decisions are. You know, obviously, Altariq is kind of getting up there for, you know, in age for a college player. uh, Whereas, you know, yes, he could come back and have another great season at Wichita State. 
but he could also, you know, turn pro and start making money, you know, and supporting himself and his family. So that's going to be a question mark for all those guys. Um, so yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of questions to be, uh, made. Then obviously, you know, it seems like every year you have a transfer or two, uh, lately it's been a, little, a few more for, uh, for WSU. So a lot of questions to be settled, but I think that, um, going forward, there's just not going to be, I don't, I don't see WSU, you know, blowing out a ton of teams and conferences. It just seems like, you know, the conference is so much better in the middle and at the bottom where I don't think there's going to be a lot of double digit victories for WSU this year. So it's going to be tough to find minutes for these guys. And, um, and it's just like, you know, you, you, you didn't get those, uh, you know, four or five, games against you know Arkansas you know Pine Bluff and uh you know all these Texas Southern teams like that and uh all these bye games and uh so it's tough to find minutes you know when you're playing conference games for the rest of the season and then the, the Ole Miss game so I don't I don't foresee a lot of playing time for those two guys and I think if they stick around they might be asked to, to redshirt next year I don't have any knowledge of that but I, I just think that it, it's just tough to find minutes for those guys and uh, WSU really likes their upside, though. I can tell you that. But, you know, they need to get a little bit stronger, uh, get a little adjusted to the Division One level. And I think uh, in time they could be, you know, just right up there with what, what Ricky is doing and the, the signs that, he, you know, the potential that he's flashing. Uh, WSU believes that those two can do the same thing, but, you know, just in time, not right away. Early thoughts on uh, Coach Isaac Brown? You know, five games in, have we? What have we seen from him? Like, how how do you feel about his his leadership and and kind of you you even pointed out uh, after uh, one of the games, I think it was against Tulsa, just grabbing his freshmen and really you know encouraging them, the guys who did not get to play, and Trevin, uh, you know, just just really trying to to lift them up. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, and that's what makes him a players coach. And I think, uh, I mean, all these guys, uh, you know, over the years of, you know, you've seen Fred Van Fleet tweet about him and uh, Ron, uh, Ron Baker tweet about him. So I mean, all these guys love uh, love IB, and uh, I think you're seeing that uh, now. Uh, just stylistically, I mean, a, a lot is still the same. There's a few minor differences. Uh, it seems like WSU's playing a little, little more. Um, free flowing, uh, you know. There's not as much of a quick trigger. You know, if you make one mistake, you're coming out of the game. Where I think, uh, you know, under Coach Marshall, it seems like he had a, you know, and that's the benefit of having depth is, you know, if somebody screws up, you know, you have somebody that can come in and and uh, get the job done. But um, I think you're seeing guys playing a little bit longer, a little more freer on the offensive end. You're seeing a lot uh, quicker threes. I think. Uh, in transition, I think uh, sometimes, especially like Tyson Etienne, they've given him the green light uh, from just about anywhere. Super green, yeah. So he's uh, he's you know firing from all over. Um, so there's a, a few things that are, are going a little differently uh, than the rebounding. Like I mentioned, you know, under Marshall, uh, this was a team that or a program that was rarely ever outside the top 40 nationally. They were always great. So uh, to slip this far. Um, that, that's definitely a concern, uh, obviously has something to do with roster makeup too. So, you know, you knew coming into the season, the big question mark was going to be the centers. And, um, it just seems like every year they, they've always had, you know, someone that has kind of stepped up and, and been, you know, uh, a, a pretty consistent factor for them at the center position. And they're still waiting for that. They think Morris Udeze, uh, can be that guy. And, uh, they, they feel like they could have a pretty strong three man rotation there, but, you know, obviously those guys are going to have to step up and, and show that. So, um, 
Yeah, I was just curious. What, what about you, Dustin? What do you think? Uh, does anything kind of uh, jump off the page to you about you know just the biggest differences under uh, Coach Brown? Uh, the only thing I've really seen is you know they're much more apt to just pull the trigger <laughs> at all times, and you know you don't have as many uh, set plays necessarily. But uh, you know it, it's nice to see that the rebounding is improving at least over these last two games. Now I don't know how much you can take out of the Emporia State matchup. What was the arena like? So it's now ten percent capacity. I believe that's you know right around a thousand fans. So what what was that like? And you know do you think there were loud enough at any point to have an impact on the game uh, i mean it was such a weird game i mean it just felt like a you know a scrimmage from the start just because it was you know emporia state a d2 team that was you know playing the second game of a three three games and three days stretch so um i i just think it was uh the intensity wasn't as high as it would have been you know in a conference opponent so um, we'll see come uh, January 30th when they play East Carolina. I think the the atmosphere will be much improved. Um, uh, I didn't sense that you know the crowd ever got like super loud um, at any point. But then again, you know WSU was up pretty comfortable for most of that game, and it wasn't like uh, you know they did anything crazy. I mean, the off the off the backboard alley oop to Ricky Council was probably was the, a great play. Yeah, that was probably the coolest thing. So. Um, I, I think it will get better uh, once the competition steps up, and I think it, it can be a factor if you get up to that, you know, ten percent. Then you, you know, that's a thousand fans. Then I think it can make a difference, but it's still just so hard um, to. I mean, teams are still going to be able to hear more on the road. I talked to IB about that a little today, and he said that was the biggest benefit of um, no fans from playing if from a road team perspective where. You know, you can communicate to your players on the floor now. You're not having to do hand signals or, or anything like that, trying to shout over the noise. I mean, uh, now if you see a set that, you know, uh, a, a team is running and you recognize what's going to happen, you can shout it out and, you know, guys can hear you now on the road. And that's a huge advantage for, for these teams. So I think the, the home court advantage has been taken away some. Uh, I mean, he, he pointed out you're still shooting on the rims that you know you shoot at every day in practice so the home teams still have you know some kind of advantage but you know in terms of that fan atmosphere advantage you know that's that's definitely gone down and for you know a program like Wichita State where you know you had 10,000 every single game I think they get hurt by that a little more or definitely a lot more than a lot of these teams in the Americans so uh, like Tuesday night you know at South Florida middle of December they're probably not going to have very many fans there regardless I mean I mean, I would I would say they probably wouldn't have more than like three or four thousand fans, so uh, that's not going to make that much of a difference to them. But you know, if games at Coke Arena, you know, you have ten thousand every single every single game, so only having ten percent of that it makes a huge difference. On next week's show, we'll get you ready for the home opener in conference play against ECU. There's also one more non-conference game left. They'll go on the road at Old Miss. The uh, return game from uh, Old Miss coming here last year when I was coach for a day. So, you know, we're 1-0. Hopefully keep going against Old Miss there. Uh, what does Taylor Eldridge ask for for Christmas? Ooh, just a little bit of a break. I've been super busy lately, so it'll be nice to be able to to just kind of relax and just watch some basketball and uh, um, and just kind of take it easy. So that's uh, it's been super busy time of, of the year with uh, high school sports going on and and now Wichita State basketball season. So it's busy, but it's been fun. But uh, yeah, I'm ready to take a, a few days break here. 
What about you? Um, I had some shocker W's is what I take these days, and for my Chiefs to keep on rolling, had another good win yesterday in New Orleans. So uh, certainly we appreciate everyone listening, or we appreciate you know uh, our, our listeners uh, here around the holidays and, and enjoy. Uh, everything and, and we'll be back next week to keep it going rate us five stars this show is part of the ict podcast network for more information visit ictpod.net